Power to dream, cowboys. Welcome back to the HBO Boys podcast, where we recap and review the hit HBO shows. Today we are doing episodes three and four of the HBO Max original series, Raised by Wolves, brought to you by Ridley Scott and Aaron Guzikowski. These two episodes, though, uh, not directed by Ridley Scott, unfortunately. Anyway, I'm James, and uh, with me is Ryan. I'm Ryan, and that is correct. Not directed by Ridley Scott. Directed by his son, Luke, Luke Scott. Scott. Nepotism. Which, yeah, uh, he was a second director on The Martian, which, go mm. and listen to our Lovecraft Country episode four podcast, and you can listen to a long explanation of what a second director does. Uh, but if you don't want to do that, just know that he's been chilling with his dad for a long period of time. He's not a young bro. He was born in 1968. He's done, you know, he was a director on many video shorts like Alien Covenant, the prologue, and uh, other videos that have to do with Alien. He did some short films for the Blade Runner 2049 movie. Yeah, just like anything his dad works on. He is the director of episodes three and four, which we're about to talk about. Also, he has a brother, Jake Scott, who is the director of music videos. And he's directed music videos for tons of famous artists, but not like not like a lot of their biggest songs. But he did he directed uh the music video for Everybody Hurts. That's a big one, right? Everybody knows yeah. that. Um right. I mean that's a great one. And uh Morning Glory for Oasis is another one of their big songs. But other than that, yeah, he he like directs, you know, the the fourth or fifth best songs on famous uh, bands albums. Like he directed the music video for like the Rolling Stones, but for a song called Out of Tears. Like I never heard of that song. No. So I will tell you, I think it's a little interesting that Raised by Wolves is on HBO Max. As we know, you have to like mm-hmm. press a button, agree to a thing to watch it. And we'll get into the details of it. But the first episode, I think, was promising. A lot of people hated it. But, and by the way, like we've mentioned in the past, the sample size is decently small. It's being watched by way less people than Lovecraft Country is being watched by. Right. Or like The Boys. Right. Well, that's a whole other thing. I mean, The the Boys was marketed. I don't know how many millions of dollars was spent on boys marketing, but zero goddamn dollars was spent on, and that's an exaggeration, but... So little money was spent on marketing raised by wolves. And oh yeah, yeah. People don't we... know that, that this show is a thing. Like, no. Even my cousin, who is a huge like aliens and predator fan, he's like, you know, the, the movies in that that universe. He's never heard of of this. And I was like, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it, it's got elements reminiscent of like stuff from Alien. He's like, oh shit. I, yeah, I didn't hear about this at all. I'll check it out. We talked about it on the Lovecraft Country episode four episode that we were discussing which you know, TV show at the time that we liked more and how they compared to Perry Mason and Watchmen. And you mentioned, I think, I I think something that's, it's applicable, which is Raised by Wolves is setting up a conceit to a show that is going to be tough to land at the Mm -hmm. end. And Lovecraft Country is not doing that. Lovecraft Country is, has a, a path to a place where you're like, no, I bet they could make this figure it. I they, they could figure this out. They can make this satisfactory. And we talked about, I said at the end of that podcast, I liked Raised by Wolves at that time 
more than Lovecraft Country. I will tell you, I think my idea of how much I like Raised by Wolves is changing. And it was based on these two episodes. And I don't know if it's Ridley Scott's fault for, like, you know, not being here. But it's getting weirder. Uh, yeah, well, I, I, I'm still on board. Although the thing is, like, I wonder if this should have just been, like, a movie. It's a movie. The first act of a movie, if you condensed, like, what happened in episode one, you take it down from, like, an hour down to, like, 35 minutes, it would have been, like, an amazing first act of a movie, right? And now it's kind of like, we are stuck in the second act, and we've been in the second act for three episodes now. And it's being held up by Amanda Collin, who plays Mother, who is giving a performance that is just unreal. It's so, so stupidly good. But you can only watch her for so long and be and be fine with just like, okay, is the plot going to be different soon? Because Jesus Christ. Anyway, I'm naysaying. So, they, mm, they, they, I they, <laughs> Yeah, I know. They just, they introduced two mysteries, right? In, the, in these two episodes we're about to talk about. Yeah. And they were like, okay, now this is what you care about. You care about who the hooded figure is and you care about what this large... Uh, large object that all the Mithraic people are hugging. Do you guys care about these things? We sure hope so, because it's if you don't, then that's like, you're not going to like these episodes. So in episode three, uh, we find out a little bit more about the kids, and it's, it, 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 you know, I, I was thinking like, oh, well, they probably had a pretty nice life on the island. Like, no, they left like a shitty life, which was like being in this cult to, you know, probably a comp, comparably shitty life now with mother father and campion but it's not like this is a big level up uh for them because like we find out about like paul's parents never spoke to him and would make him kill animals and stuff as like a test of courage and the way we find that out is that he gets new versions of his parents because his parents are dead because right two people got plastic surgery to look like his parents and he's like why are you guys talking to me you never did this before and they're like Huh. We're different now. Is that fine? Are, are you suspicious? We're different. <laughs> Basically, the only atheists that we know are Marcus and Sue, who seem like normal people, right? And then all the Mithraic people seem like they're in a fucked up, bizarre cult, basically. Yeah, but we also learn in like episode four that both Marcus and Sue probably have a version of PTSD from being right. drafted as children. They were child soldiers. So there was no good side of this conflict. No. And you say, like, the kids on the Ark had a bad time. And I would describe it as a bad time. One of them got impregnated while she was in, what's it called? Hibernation against her will. And she's a child. That's wholly fucked up. And also, by the way, the rest of them, these are the kids, by the way, that didn't crash into a fucking mountain two episodes ago, right? So, like, they had no option, like, they couldn't stay on Earth. The bronze robots murdered everybody. Well, we find out in this episode, too, that, and I didn't realize this, I thought that, like, you know, I'm I'm still thinking about the South Park episode, Go, God, Go, so I thought the atheists were, Mm -hmm. like, the ones with the killer robots, but actually it was... The atheists were like the hard Scrabble army and the Mithraic were the ones with the killer robots and shit. And Mother is actually yeah. a stolen and reprogrammed Mithraic weapon. Yes, and but 
to the reprogramming was a step further than the Mithraic ever went, which is the atheists were like, okay, fine. You want to do like killer robots? How about this one? This one's for genocide. This one's going to commit genocide. It's a step you didn't take, you weaklings. Genocide robot. What are you going to do now? We get more of like the backstory of the war and, and Marcus and Sue and Paul's backstory and how like, you know, they're normal people. And so like Paul is actually much happier to have them even though he doesn't know the difference uh, in, in truth, than his original parents. So he's actually way better off with them. Um, and then they actually grow to love him too because they, you know, at first they kind of pity him. They're like, wow, what a shitty life this kid has had in this cult. But like, you know, uh, he's actually a kind of a good kid. But they're also not really good at like keeping up the front of no. like pretending like they're in the cult or knowing what they're talking about in terms of the religion. Yeah, their entire being around people who know what they're talking about is something to the effect of, oh, yeah, no, no, yeah, no, we know, we know, <laughs> you're crazy, we know. So a lot more people survived the crash than I would than I, than I would have thought, and there's a bunch mm-hmm. of survivors around the ship, and one of them comes up to Marcus, and he's like, hey, you knew my father in the war. Oh, sure, I knew him, great guy, loved him. Oh, okay, so you forgave him then for the terrible things he did to you? Uh, dot, 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 uh, (laughs) yeah. (laughs) Right, uh, Jesus teaches us forgiveness. I I mean, Mithra. (laughs) Soul, whatever the fuck you want from me right now, please leave. You know, I, I was watching the beginning of episode three and thinking to myself, mostly I was thinking to myself, like, Amanda Collin is just, like, her back must be hurting from how much she's carrying these episodes. With her amazing performance. But like the people in Lovecraft Country. The people in Perry Mason. The people in... Actually Watchmen doesn't count in this uh, hypothetical that I'm about to tell you. But like they don't have the chance to do this kind of performance. Right? Like they're not robots in a dystopian world. It's a chance to make a performance that is insane. And it's either... you, It's a huge swing. And it would be a huge miss if you missed it. But Amanda Collin hasn't. Like... It's not fair to compare Amanda Collins' amazing performance in this show to Journey Smollett or or whomever is like, you know, paying Montrose or Tick in Lovecraft Country. They don't get the chance to take this big of a swing. No. Um they're in a much more grounded you know, they're playing real people. Um yeah. Mother's playing a character. Um Right. And so it it's pretty different. Uh but uh, as you said, she's kind of carrying the whole show. Um, the kids are getting sick again back on their farm. I don't know, on the other side of the continent or whatever. Uh, they're like a couple days away from each other uh, by foot. And the kids are sick, so Mother goes to, like, the wreckage to get some super medicine. And then also, like, I don't know, while there, she's, like, fucking with the survivors a bit. She's screaming, yeah. which murders people. And they are within a crack in the ground where Marcus, or, you know, new version of Marcus, points out, hey, something's definitely living in here. We're crawling into a hole where something I bet will eat us, but it's safer than outside where the genocide robot is trying to murder us as well. And the survivors are led by, like, this high priest or whatever who, you know, uh, I don't know, maybe he was a decent priest he was good at that job, but he's bad at, like, leading a bunch of survivors uh, 
too much of his decisions are informed on like what would the prophecy say about this i mean we see it through marcus's eyes and he hates him because he's like i gotta go find paul let me go find paul and the emissary is like no thank you we have to stick around here and and protect me and marcus is like oh well fuck that (laughs) so campion is like now totally on the side of of the the mithraic kids and they've convinced him, like, oh, we have to escape and try to get with the other humans. And so he plays a cruel trick on Father. He's like, I'm trying oh to get the God. mouse. Can you get it? And Father's, you know, such I a trusting guy. Oh, of course, Capian. I'll help you find the mouse. And That was a uh, good... That was a good <laughs> fucking impression of Father, dude. Thank you. Good job. <laughs> and, well, he locks him in there, which is nothing for him, because he's a super strong robot. But because, you know, he's got, like, C-3PO... Like, uh, protocols on propriety, he's like, I'm gonna count to five before I punch a hole in the door, and, uh, and by then they're already gone. They're, <laughs> like, in the woods somewhere. And, um, uh, eventually, like, father and mother do catch up with them, all but Paul, who's, like, got lost on his own. And, and, and this was an interesting comment. When they get back, father's basically saying to Campy, and he's like, listen, I need to stop fucking up raising you guys, because... If mother gets the sense that I'm not useful, she's not going to bother keeping me around. And then I will not be around to protect you from her. (laughs) She's murdered me once. Okay. She shall murder me again. Of course she will. I think actually a a cool, interesting thing that also came out from these first few scenes was that they were talking about the prophecy, the the Mithraic prophecy that we just kind of assumed was campion you know an orphan boy in a distant land but that prophecy could totally be paul right yeah because his two actual yeah or if it's got to be a boy then it could also be hunter Mm. he's hunter's annoying yeah hunter's a dick in this episode uh he makes a horrible comment to tempest where he's like you should name the baby after the rapist it just goes to show that, like, Hunter, like, while is, like, a pretty smart kid, like, I'm not, I'm not sure how old he is, like, 16 or 17, uh, he's also by now, like, totally indoctrinated into the faith, and he's like, oh, okay, so, yeah, I mean, this happened to you against your will, but it was by this important priest, you know? So, uh, Hunter right. already might be, like, a lost cause in terms of, like, deprogramming these kids from the cult. And he's still weirdly privileged because of who his father was. We still don't really truly know exactly what that character means or if we'll even get introduced to him in flashbacks. Either so way, kid, Hunter sucks. Yeah. Hunter's a dick. <laughs> I mean, well, he's a kid, so yeah, at a certain level you gotta forgive him. No, um, no, no, no. You know what you know a thing that I learn as I grow into being a a young slash middle aged adult is that kids know what they're doing. And Hunter's a dick. <laughs> like, he knows he's an asshole. He's just, he thinks he's right. And he has a mullet. So what do you, you can't trust him. So those kids do make it back safely with Father in the escape pod from the Ark. But Paul is, like, still out there. And Mother goes to look for him. And that's, like, the cliffhanger of Episode 3. Is he falls into one of the pits and he's hanging from a branch. Um, and he loses the mouse. The mouse falls to its doom. And then he's hanging there, imperiled. Sad. But I mean, Sad. episode four starts up, and she rescues him, and we she, we now we see a new power that she has, where if she looks at you and tells you to sleep, you have to sleep right away. Yeah, they're just making up powers at this point. Also, he was 
following a hooded figure after right. he found a doll in the woods that it looks like the little girl who fell down the pit yeah who quote unquote fell down the pit and perhaps that was not the case but what's she been doing living out here by herself the whole time right Question how did mark? she get by she was like four years old or something when she fell um and like and why so you would think, she choose well, it's that a life ghost maybe there's a supernatural element here and and ghosts are coming back to life or something right uh, but then, you know, just to jump ahead a little bit, is it a ghost if, like, Father, who's a robot, can see it? I Now we're kind of mixing genres here, right. but I assume ghosts can't, robots don't see ghosts, you know? Right. At some point, Father turns around, sees the same hooded figure, and, is, and says the girl's name, right? right? Which is... Vita. Okay. It's the one who fell in the hole. So... Father turns around and then says, Vita, is that you? So, like, yeah, there's either some supernatural shit going on where everyone is getting the same vision in their minds, even if they're a robot, or it is actually her and she's chosen to live alone for so many years for an unannounced reason. Mm -hmm. Or she's raised by monsters or something, raised by wolves. Yeah, I mean that is the name of the show. To be and fair. that is that that is a recurring theme: child stealing, um, and 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 also like there's several things between like Paul and Campion, which keep like mirroring each other. Where like apparently Paul's parents were having him kill animals, and then later in this episode, Campion's parents want him to kill an animal, and he doesn't want to do it. While Campion gets closer and closer to the faith every moment right. of every day and also as we enter episode four the other side of the story is that the mithraic have found uh, how do you describe what they found it's a giant rock a giant well it's clearly not a natural rock formation because it's cut in in like a perfect cube or whatever they find a big black cube in the desert which is hot and at first, like, it's hot. I'm like, yeah, it's hot. It's sitting in the middle of the desert. No, it's glowing, though. Okay. TB fair. <laughs> and they're like, they're, we're going to chill by this. And it's truly just, I think, a plot device. We'll learn, I guess, if it's important to the actual plot. But at the moment, it's a plot device for the emissary. I think I believe his name is Ambrose. And Marcus to have a conflict of... Hey, I want to go find my kid. No, we got to stay here and chill with the Pentagon that's in front of us in glowing red. And they're like, oh, well. I don't know if you are good. uh, Yeah, so there's like three, basically, there's three plot lines in episode four. There's the big cube, and then uh, the the leader of the Mithraics knows, basically, he figures out that Sue and Marcus are imposters, but he can't do anything about it because they need Sue because she's the only one with any medical training because she was yeah, an atheist Sue medic. F- she fucked it up, man. He asked her a very, like, simple question, and she didn't go just like, yeah, you're right, man. <laughs> she it's, decided to be like, You guys had mm-hmm. 13 years in the Matrix to get this shit together. <laughs> yeah. Didn't read anything. He was, and she was like, "Is that scripture?" And he was like, "Yeah, totally." No, it it's wasn't. Like idiot. Page one. <laughs> right. She says it to Lucius, the guy who was like, "Oh, you forgive my father," and he was like, "Oh, that's a 
lullaby. All Mithraic know that lullaby. And she's like, yeah, totally. I knew that. I knew that for sure. Ambrose tries to take out Marcus uh, using his, like, robot. This is very convoluted. His robot as an assassin puts something in Marcus's ear, which causes him to freak out, which they then accuse him of being a ticker? That something happened. Yeah. That, that, that mother yeah. did something to him, and he was going to go crazy so and stupid. They're these fucking, these robots are twins, convoluted, as you said. One of them dies, and then the next one, and right, a ticker, which is apparently the genocide robots can, like, I I recall Lovecraft Country. They slowly drive you insane, and then later on, you kill your comrades or something. I I recalled Lovecraft Country in that moment where in the first episode... One of the many-eyed monsters bit the sheriff, and the sheriff becomes one of those many-eyed monsters. And it's like, okay, I guess there's some transformation stuff that can occur here. And whatever. Anyway, Marcus takes it into his own hands. Marcus decides then he, he kills... He takes away a layer of protection from Ambrose by killing using that as an excuse to kill the robot. And then later, when Ambrose is like... Sue and Marcus are like, can we go look for the kids? Can we go look for the kids? And they're obsessed with this cube. And finally, like, you know, Ambrose is like, all right, well, let's blow a hole through the cube to get inside and see what's in there. And Marcus and Sue are just like, what rabbit hole is this going to lead us down? Fuck this cube. Let's go save our kid. And so Marcus has a pretty good plan here. He he becomes his, his own kind of like holy roller. And he's like, look, he's trying to desecrate the sacred cube. He's got to go. And he takes him, he presses him up against the hot part of the cube or something. And he immediately bursts into flames. It was a little yeah. confusing. He lights him the fuck on fire. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We go back to the other side of the planet a few miles away, assumably. We figure out that the food that the kids and everyone else has been eating has a radioactive core to them, which has been killing them slowly but surely. At the same time, Campion and Father are out trying to find food so that Campion doesn't have to kill the animal that has been trying to stalk and kill them. And and Father wants to eat it. But I guess every, right. in the future, everyone's a vegetarian, even like the Mithraics. Or, you know, everyone but the pregnant little girl who's like, F this, I'm going to stab this idiot and try to eat it. At which point she does so and then pulls a baby out of it and is like, now I'm sad because it was pregnant. monster baby, yeah. And so (laughs) I'm pregnant and this is somehow now about me. And I was like... yeah. Okay. <laughs> well, and then, well, then the other plot line is that, and I think this is going to go somewhere really dark in the future episodes. Mother Tempest doesn't want to have to give birth to this baby because she hates the baby because it's you know, but it's a uh, you know a, a product of rape, and so sure. she asks Mother if she can put it in like the test tube where Campion and his siblings were born, and Mother's like, well, if I can fix it, sure, why not? And Father's like, yeah, this is a fucked up situation. Don't do that. And Mother's like, well. I'm the weapon of mass destruction here, so I think it's my call. Right. It's like if the dragons in Game of Thrones could talk. So she's going to to, to transplant the embryo into one of the test tubes, at which point 
it will stop being Tempest baby and it will be another one of Mother's babies, which I think that is very bizarre. Is it just is it bizarre or just bad? Like yeah, bad thing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like it's just I think it's less interesting. That's the problem with this. Like your point of it's going to be really hard for Raised by Wolves to stick the landing. We are four out of how many episodes is this? Eight or ten? Either ten. one. doesn't matter. The point is, like, it already feels like we are just going so off the rails with this. And Ridley Scott let go of it. He let his son go. But to be fair, yeah. like, it's all written by the same guy. Like, right. he wrote a ten-episode movie. I, and I don't think necessarily there was any problems with the directions in this episode. No, uh, it was all the writing. It was well, lines it was that were episode stupid. Episode three and four could mostly just be be cut out completely. Um, here's the thing: they could have introduced I, the I think, fact that yeah. there was a hooded figure, right? And they could have introduced the fact that there was a large goddamn s- square that was hot, and the mutiny could have happened in ten minutes, and we could have moved on with our lives. Right, and that's what would have happened if this were a movie. This were like a two and a half hour movie. That's how it would have gone down, um, and and I. That's the problem with 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 this show is it's it's dragging and it doesn't need to be ten episodes long. Honestly, we probably could have gotten away with five. Is what that's how it feels at this point. Yeah, you know what's a um, bummer hmm. is that like we watched Watchmen, which was so good, right? And we watched Perry Mason, which I really loved as well. Mm-hmm. And not once throughout either of those shows did I say out loud, oh, perhaps you can, if someone's diligent, they can listen back and see how much I was naysaying either one of them. But I believe like during Watchmen, I was like, okay, the Adrian Veidt storyline is my favorite storyline. It's the thing that's the best on TV. And the other stuff is a little dragging because Adrian Veidt's is so good. And Perry Mason, you know, it had the big twist in the middle, which kept it fresh. And then it got interesting even more interesting as he became a lawyer towards the end the second half of game of thrones money the money that would have been the next season of game of thrones that they dumped into new shows has overall just been worse lovecraft country is inconsistent and by the way that can change by the way like there's a uh an episode that happened two hours ago that i haven't watched maybe it's amazing and maybe it will change my mind and my feeling on the subject of Raised by Wolves was that, God, the pilot was so good. Right. The second episode was okay. Yeah. And it, it, it didn't ruin it. And then the third and fourth episode could have not existed at all. And there's a fifth episode I haven't watched. And I was, But the feeling of, like, I really hope the next episode saves this shit is the, is the same for both shows that we're watching right now. It's just disappointing. Yeah, it's it's meandering, um, and and I wonder if that's because HBO was like, no, we want at least ten episodes, and then you know Aaron Guskowski's like, okay, well let me let me put a bunch of filler here in the middle. Um, by the way, I think that we're we are. I still like it a lot. I think it's I think it's great. Um, I mean, it's carried mostly mm. now based on like the the performances. 
and then I'm also pretty interested in like the world building, but like each individual scene, uh, you know, not not so memorable to me. And when and episode one, like I I I remember so much about it, and it was very evocative. And uh, you know, oh, the pilot the scene was so that, goddamn good. The scene that sticks out to me is like after father's dead, and like all hope seems lost. And, like, Mother's, like, broken down on the ground and Campion, like, lies down next to her. I was like, well, this is amazing fucking storytelling. Um, yeah. And uh, it, it, we haven't been able to just, you know, reach that high again. And I, I wonder if, you know, it, it's, it's just like we're going to get one really great episode at the premiere. What maybe when we got another good episode in the middle coming and then we'll have a really good finale and then the rest is kind of just, like, forgettable. I do care who the hooded figure is. I do care what the I, large I'll, weird I'll rock make a prediction is. right now. Okay. Both of those are going to go nowhere. <laughs> really? Those are, those oh, are I, mid, mid-season distractions. Oh, man. Uh, what I was going to say earlier was that like we have been spoiled so much. Like, the world post the fourth and first through four, truly seasons of game of thrones we are now so spoiled like mm-hmm. when something gets introduced that doesn't isn't immediately evocative isn't immediately interesting i feel like i'm being cheated out of my time which by the way like is like it's like we're privileged at this point mm-hmm. and spoiled spoiled rotten we truly are because we got so much good television so quickly. Right. And, and if this show had been coming out at the same time as, like, Lost and Battlestar Galactica, it would be blowing our fucking minds every week, you mm-hmm. know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and there were, by the way, both of those shows, the middle of Battlestar Galactica is not good. The end sticks the landing out of nowhere, and it's crazy. Mm-hmm. The middle of Lost is not good. The end doesn't stick the landing, but if you go back to the first three seasons, they're maybe the best three seasons of television that you've ever watched in a row. Right. And it's just a it's just a bummer because we just came out of Watchmen and Perry Mason, which people should go if you guys haven't watched. Like that's the point. I tell this to people in real life too. Nobody even listens to me anymore because I say <laughs> a thing that's on HBO and it's good, right? And they're like, "You right. say everything on HBO is good." And I'm like, "No, I swear to God, not everything is." Like, but you should go watch Perry Mason, and you should go watch Watchmen. Thankfully, it seems and like at- everyone has seen Watchmen, which is good because it was really good. Not a lot of people have seen Perry Mason. Even my dad, no, who was a has. fan of the original show, hasn't watched it. I'm like, this is your kind of shit. Like, <laughs> it's your shit, man. It really gets good at the end too. But I don't feel that way about Raised by Wolves right now. Unless it turns this shit around, I'm not going to tell mm-hmm. people to watch it. I would recommend Love- Raised by Wolves to anyone who's really into, like, the high sci-fi genre or the fan of Ridley Scott's work. But other than that, uh, at this point, it's hard to give, you know, to, like, a casual TV watcher or whatever. And I was naysaying Lovecraft Country during our last right. episode, but I would tell people to watch it for sure. Because I think it's a thing that people need to watch for themselves and decide if they like. Like, I've decided basically at this point for Raised by Wolves. Unless it pulls it around, which I don't know if it can or will. 
And like, I need to actually, literally, I need to go look up. Does Raised by Wolves, does Ridley Scott come back and start directing it again? I Because I honestly uh, don't he's, know. He's not directing the next episode, and the other episodes are to be announced. James Hawes directs the last one. Who's James Hawes? He's directed, okay, Black Mirror. Okay, the Challenger. Black Mirror, Smithereens, and Hated in a Nation. Which is okay. I like both of those. The bo- like, okay, fine, fine, fine. Like, I'm not gonna stop watching it. We're doing a fucking podcast about it, right? Like, it's something that we're gonna be within. And also, by the way, you know, a lot of this jaded feeling I'm having is that Lovecraft Country and Raised by Wolves are both being watched by way less people than Watchmen and Perry Mason figured out at the time. Like, Raised by Wolves is kind of pulling it down. It's being watched by nobody. And Lovecraft Country is being watched, but there seems to be, like, no constructive criticism about it. It feels like it's very one or one-sided or the opposite. It's... You either hate it or you love it, and loving it or hating it is kind of being politicized at this point because of the conceit of the show. Right, but I would rather have people, like, hotly debating it than just nobody even knows what Raised by Wolves is. (laughs) Right, but, yeah, the point I'm getting to at the end of this is, like, a lot less people while we're doing these two shows are listening to our podcast, right? Like, (laughs) that's And that's the real tragedy. Right That's there. what's fucking wrong with this goddamn country, James. Well, hopefully HBO is going to step it up uh, in the fall. Let's see how that goes. And, 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 you know, HBO Max, they should probably put that shit in other countries so that more people will be able to watch this stuff. But at this point, their original programming on HBO Max very, very sparse. I'm looking at the page right now. Uh, almost nothing on here. And, and, and very mostly just comedy. And the other stuff I've never heard of, and it's based on the name and cover art, not really interested in watching. But um, you know what, James? James, we've lost. Uh, we we've lost our fun. People listen to us because we're fun, James. I'm not fun anymore. <laughs> You're still fun. You try to pull it out of me, but. I'm just like, this is all bullshit, and everything sucks. And you're like, no, Ryan, come on. <laughs> what am I gonna do? Like. I was in the middle of watching Race by Wolves episode four. Like, oh, fucking come on. Don't be bad. At this point, I am more excited for the next episode of Lovecraft Country than I am for uh, the next episode of Race by Wolves, which is actually out right now. Uh, and so, yeah, we will be checking that out next week. Hopefully we're looking for a little bit more than we got these last two episodes. I hope. The thing about Lovecraft um, Country is that, like, it has historically, I know it's only been on for a little while, but every time it has a weirdly not okay, not that interesting episode, it usually comes back really strong. Right. It's that up and down. So I have, like, generally positive feelings about the Lovecraft Country next episode. And Raised by Wolves is not that way. I just watched two episodes in a row that I was like... This is odd. Who's the ma- who's the hooded person? If that doesn't go anywhere, James, I swear to God, if the <laughs> hooded person thing doesn't go anywhere, 
Oh, just 10 hours of my life down the drain. <laughs> so on that happy and exciting note, <laughs> join us uh, next week <laughs> when, we, <laughs> when we review episodes 5 and 6 of Raised by Wolves. Uh, which, uh, uh, please God, will be better. But then, you know, we've also been doing the next episode of Lovecraft Country. We'll be doing a deep recap and review of that, which seems interesting. And yeah, uh, we'll have some bonus content on the way sometime. I think hopefully by the end of this month. Uh, we've got two only two weeks left of this month, so who knows? Uh, we're gonna be running a tabletop RPG game of Call of Cthulhu in yes. honor of Lovecraft Country, and I'm getting really excited. I've I've set up most of that. It's almost quite ready to go. We could probably do it anytime now. Um, and uh, that should be a lot of fun. Me too. I'm super excited. You sent me my character sheet. It's very fun. I showed Samantha her character sheet. She likes it very much. She's totally okay with the how the 1930s is sexist and she must deal with said sexism because it's the reality of the situation. <laughs> so <laughs> I I ran that by her and she's like, I get that. That's fine. Uh, and I watched, I looked at my character sheet. It looks super duper fun. I really look forward to that. I think it's going to be a lot, a lot of neat stuff. And I, you know, I hope, you know, this is weird thing, James, Hmm. is that I think that no matter how good House of the Dragon is, Mm -hmm. that our podcast will pop off because of said show. And it's weird because, like, I don't know if it's going to be good. I don't think it's going to be good. But, like, our podcast needs House of the Dragon. <laughs> so, thanks for listening, guys. If you are just listening, it means a lot. Uh, <laughs> My favorite bleak, thing is when you just ending. ignore what I say and you move on. Um, follow us on Twitter. He's at Westwood Ryan. I'm at James Watches Men. Give us a review on any of the relevant podcast apps. Please spread the show by word of mouth. That helps a lot. Um... And if you want to go the extra mile, you can support the show on Patreon for just a dollar or more. You get bonus content every month, access to a glut of bonus content we've already come out with, and uh, patrons-only Discord for chatting, as well as Ryan shouting out the names of our patrons at the end of each show, like he's about to do as soon as I put a period on this sentence. You didn't even have to stall. I was totally ready. Hardboiled Craig Nicole, Day 11 Podcast, James Watch My Dong. Uh, this week I have no feelings about that. Sure, whatever. I'm dispassionate. Wow. I like that, though. I, li- <laughs> I, li- I, li- I feel like you don't think about the joke until it happens. Like, it's <laughs> every day. Like, you know it's, a, it's coming every week. But, you like, the moment the joke's over, you're like, I'm going to put that out of my brain until it happens again. <laughs> Is that correct? Am I correct in that assessment? Nah. <laughs> Cliff Wilding, hello underscore yo, atheism unstoppable, Chris Wood, Brent Gen, Day 11 Westworld, Craig Bachman, John Jurors, Major Woody, and Carol Andreas. Thank you for the money. We very much appreciate the money. Uh, new Hunter, Hunter episode this week for sure. I'm going to figure that one out tabletop that james wrote that i bet is going to be super dope coming this week not this week next coming week very very or the soon. week after yeah <laughs> yeah super soon 
and, uh, you know, bright times to come. Great times to come. That and Great times to come. Great times to come sounds like our current president. It's going to be great. Raised by Wolves and Lovecraft Country. Going to pull it together. Going to gonna be... Make Lovecraft Country and Raised by Wolves great again. Yeah, and there's a couple of miniseries coming to HBO, which look interesting. Really? Um, which ones? Uh, the Third Day, starring Jude Law and Naomi Harris. Sounds pretty good. Um, it's like I a like mystery that, with with a plays with time, uh, and then another one coming he not... just next month uh, with Nicole Kidman, a thriller. Is Jude Law not in the Young Pope anymore? Is that done? I don't know. I've never seen it, but yeah, I mean, we should also probably you know once these two shows are over, and it, it seems at this point like Race by Wolf is gonna lap Lovecraft Country, <laughs> get to the yeah. end first. <laughs> we remember back in the day we did a trailer reaction for young mm. pope mm. and then we just never followed that up because we were like no thanks we're fine yeah, and then i forgot about it until you mentioned it just now yeah exactly the third day the series chronicles the individual journeys of a man and woman who arrive on a mysterious island at different times that's not a good first sentence <laughs> it's lost but with june law and then the undoing is 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 uh, a murder mystery starring Hugh Grant and Nicole Kidman with also Donnie Sutherland and he's only got 24 hours to figure out who killed Nicole Kidman The Undoing follows Grace Frazier who is quote hey, we'll, pro- we'll probably do a whole episode she on could this, right? ever wanted for herself oh, I'm going to keep reading this she's a successful therapist on the brink of publishing her first book has a devoted husband and young son who attends an elite private school in New York City weeks before her book is published a chasm opens in her life, a violent death, a oh. missing husband, and in the place of a man, Grace thought she knew, only a chain of terrible revelations. Left behind in the wake of a spreading and very public disaster, and horrified by the ways in which she has failed to eat her own advice, Grace must dismantle one life and create another for her child and herself. Sounds fine. <laughs> oh, sorry. I went to use the bathroom. Uh, did we, uh, are you still reading? No, I'm done. I'm done. Nicole I mean, Kidman's I, I, dead, I, by I, the way. I, I, I should have... Uh, I'll probably just edit all this out anyway. No, I'm joking. Aww. I am going to stop the recording, though. I'm not going to edit this. I'm not going to edit a Wait, single hold on. thing. Wait, yes, you are. I'm going to so upload be. my audio without yours unedited. <laughs> That makes sense, honestly. Uh, Okay, wait, I put my glasses back on. I'm ready to stop the audio now.